Well, hello and welcome to episode 136 of The Cool Room. Uh, I'm your host, David Griffiths. I'll shortly be joined by my good friend, Mr. Warren Wu. And we're going to sit down and have a great chat with Town Brewery from Canada. Uh, before we do that, though, I strongly suggest that uh, if you want to enjoy this episode to its maximum capability, that you find our Shopify store by searching for Cool Room Podcast Shopify uh, and grab the tasting pack that accompanies the episode. Uh, there's eight great beers in there, uh, $99, which given the size and awesome nature of the beers is ridiculously good value. And then you'll be able to taste along uh, and experience the beers that we're chatting about. Uh, that's the best way to do it. Uh, and if you want to see what's coming up uh, in future episodes of the podcast, make sure you're following us on Facebook. Uh, and that way you can join us live and get to ask your questions of the brewers. Uh, and it also means that you can have the beers delivered to you before the episode occurs. Uh, enough of that. This is such a great episode. I can't wait to get into it. So let's kick off right now with Mr. Warren Wu. I'm really looking forward to talking to Jeff, who joins us um, from Town Brewery. It's it's great to have you on, Jeff. Um, yeah, thank you for thank you for coming in at 10, 10 p.m. at night over there. It's um, perfect drinking time. You guys are the ones joining at a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know about you, Jeff, but for me, uh, twelve o'clock beers sounds they yeah, 12 lunchtime beers sound sound okay i'm not on a sunday for sure. completely against that yeah exactly yeah exactly. the sun is over the yard arm yeah. <laughs> um so how we always like to start is is getting getting um a history of of our guest so jeff would you like to tell us um yeah tell us how you kicked off your your beer life your craft beer life and and yeah well your your part in the whole brewery in local absolutely uh i'm just laughing at some of these the uh comments in the comments in the chat there I was <laughs> that's a really good questions. that's a really good plug jeff for making sure the people join us online so <laughs> yeah thanks jeff um yeah so uh my name is jeff tommy um I am uh, one of the founders and owners of Town Brewery in Whitby, Ontario, Canada. Um, yeah, I started in my, I guess my beer life started um, after college. I got into sales and I was uh, doing a few different sales jobs, um, uh, kicking around, selling a bunch of stuff that I didn't really care about. And then uh, I uh, met a friend of a friend, you know, and uh, got to talking and uh, he was a sales director over at you guys are probably familiar with, but maybe I'm being presumptive, uh, is Mill Street Brewery, uh, based in Toronto, big now national brewery in Canada. Um, but this was in 2014, I believe, um, before they were bought out by Labatt. And uh, so I, I interviewed for a job there and started working uh, at Mill Street. So my, I guess my beer life started in sales for Mill Street. Um, opened my eyes to what beer could be and, and what it could taste like. Um, and then my, my, my journey just kind of continued on from there. Um, and took me to, uh, 2017, uh, where I was approached actually by one of my customers at the time. So he was, uh, I was a rep sales rep. I was selling to him. He owned a bar in, uh, in Whippy, uh, buying a lot of beer off of us, uh, selling a lot of our beer and, uh, he called me up one day. It was so random. He called me up and said, uh, 
hey what are you doing nothing you know sitting around drinking a beer on a sunday like you guys are right now uh he goes i'm going to look at a building uh i'm going to build a brewery i'm like okay that sounds amazing (laughs) thank you for calling to tell me and he says uh i'm not going to do it unless you do it with me and i'm like okay well that's interesting i don't have any money so we're gonna have to try and figure this out um but anyways, uh, push came to shove, uh, you know, 14 business plans after uh, and, you know, a million different buildings that we looked at. We finally um, we finally settled on this uh, this spot in in a town, Whippy, where he owned the um, he owned the bar. Uh, my wife is actually from Whippy and uh, and we decided we were going to do it like, you know, before we even really. uh knew it we had signed the lease and gave him the deposit check and then we walked out of the building and went into the parking lot and we're like holy shit i guess we're like uh <laughs> actually, actually gonna do this now so um yeah it just kind of continued on from then that was in uh i guess that was in the the late summer of 2016 and and by november of 2017 we were open as a functioning brewery wow that's pretty amazing yeah. turnaround. that is that's a great story i love that um, yeah, Jeff, tell us, cool. a, oh yeah, tell us about Whitby as a place. Like we obviously, um, I don't think anyone in the room and probably a lot of our <laughs> listeners have, have never been to Whitby. But... And if you Google it, you'll probably get Whitby UK, uh, <laughs> which uh, we get tagged a lot uh, in on Instagram from Whitby UK, um, where they have a really cool, I guess, Jack Sparrow impersonator, apparently. So I know a lot about Whitby. I know a lot about Whitby UK now. Um yeah, Whippy, Ontario is a suburb of Toronto. Um, I guess you could say it would take us about, I mean, if there's no traffic, it'd take us 25 minutes to drive to Toronto, but on a normal day, it's probably in about an hour. Um, it's a town of, I don't know, uh, 100 and maybe 120,000. I should probably look that up because I'm probably embarrassing myself right now. If anyone from uh, 138,501 at the 2021 oh, yeah? census. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good then um so yeah and you know part of a a region uh called durham region uh a lot of kind of similar sized uh towns and cities uh, all stacked in a line across a big long highway um very suburban though um you know people go to the suburbs because they want to be safe Uh, safe means boring a lot of the time and uh (laughs) and it's not uh it's not you know there's not a always a ton of people taking big swings and 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 doing really creative things. And and we wanted to kind of see that change, I guess, which is one of the reasons that we, uh, we, we, we settled, I guess, on Whippy and, and doing what we did. And, and uh, you know, over, I would say that it's, it's a little bit of a closed minded view to say that everyone in the suburbs and everyone in Whippy is, is boring and not creative because um, or even over the past decade, I mean, there's been some really cool things happening in Whippy Um and really, you know, I don't know about you guys, but it's it's fairly impossible to be able to afford uh, to live in a city like Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are kind of where people go as their second choice. So uh, we're a bunch of a bunch of people who have settled somewhere they didn't really want to live, I guess. Um, yeah. But with that comes a lot of comes a lot of uh, uh, young families and and creative people and and stuff who just uh, can't afford to live in in, in the city. So. Now, I need to uh, anyway. ask this. I need to ask this as a former poutine shop owner. 
where's the best poutine in Whitby? You know, and is this? Is I mean, it- everywhere, everywhere. Have you met a poutine you didn't like? Yeah, no, no, I've never met a poutine I didn't like. That's the honest answer. That's a good call, actually. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think you could. Yeah, it'd be pretty. You'd have to try really hard to make that combination bad. Like it's it's like I think poutine's like coffee. Like I, you know, I like a good five dollar coffee, but I also love a good one dollar coffee from a greasy spoon, right? Like yeah, there's no bad good. coffee. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, perfect answer. <laughs> that is that is yeah. You throw curds onto chips and throw in like some gravy and then maybe some hot sauce and like how could that be Nothing, bad? There's, there's no bad outcome there. Yeah. No, <laughs> now no, that's not can't. true of lagers. He said, trying to find a segue. Yes, true. Very, yes. Very true. Very there, is, true. there is definitely such a thing as a bad lager. This is not a bad lager, but no. tell us a bit about the story of the beer that we're starting out with today, the, the Chiller's Frig, and um, about your lager brewing in general. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when we first opened, we were we didn't really brew any lagers. We were predominantly ales. Um, I think that that's... Uh, well, I mean, I don't think I definitely know that it's it was kind of just out of necessity. I mean, when you open a brewery, you don't have a lot of tanks. And when you don't have a lot of tanks, but you want to make a lot of beer, um, lagers don't work. Uh, you want to turn around beer as quickly as you possibly can, um, you know, without being detrimental to the product. So uh, we didn't start doing a lot of lagers and it was too full because people weren't really looking for a lot of lagers um, at that time. Anyways, in craft beer. Um, I mean, we were opening in 2017. Um, I mean, the, the haze craze in, uh, in Canada was, was, uh, I, I don't even know if it really was in like full blown haze craze yet, but I mean, probably 2017, 2018 is when every IPA started to become hazy and juicy instead of, uh, copper and bitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, we didn't make a lot of lagers for a long time, but, uh, as, tastes change as productions changed as we've grown and we've we've gotten more equipment and we've kind of invested into a lager program we started making them uh a lot more so chillis frig uh is a stupid name but i mean we all love it um it actually was named that because uh myself and the head brewer at the time uh we left the other brewer um alone to do his own beer or to brew to to, to brew the beer uh and we we messaged him asking how it was going and his only response was it was chill as frig so uh <laughs> we decided that day that that would be the name of the beer um anyways the idea for this lager was just really to have something that was nice and light um easy drinking 4.1 percent i believe i'm going to confirm that yeah four percent uh, but we wanted to have something that had a little bit of hop expression as well so we've actually done this beer with a couple of different hops um we've done it with new zealand cascade which is uh, as a dry hop which was a really nice hop we've done it with uh, new zealand wakatu or wakatu you guys could probably tell me the correct pronunciation of that or maybe not no we can't no <laughs> okay. not in the eyes of new zealand as we could <laughs> yeah exactly new zealand, we're just butchering their language <laughs> yeah yeah 100 uh wakatu says james so i believe him. Mm. um yeah. And uh, and then the the version that you guys are drinking, which I believe is the Citra Dry Hopped, uh, the Citra Dry Hop version. Mm. Um, I find that with loggers and dry hop loggers specifically, um, you can really you can really ruin a good beer by dry hopping a, a really good lager by dry hopping it, uh, especially by dry, dry hopping it too aggressively. Um, 
so for this one i mean it's like five kgs in a 20 barrel batch so like a quarter of a kilogram per hectoliter for the the uh, mathematicians out there um and it's pretty traditional german base i mean it's uh it's german pilsner malt there's a little bit of munich to give it a little bit more uh more kind of like maltiness breadiness um and then mandarina bavaria we we, we tend to use mandarina mandarina bavaria quite a bit in our lagers we like where the alpha kind of kind of sits um to add bitterness which is kind of like a moderate kind of spot and uh it's got some grassy notes some some uh orange notes and it's just kind of a nice uh a nice lager hop in our mind so yeah <clears throat> in this beer, i don't know if you wanted to go through like color and taste and all that i'd probably maybe cover most of it but uh but yeah it really was just the idea was just to make a really nice easy drink of beer with a lot of flavor yeah and i think that that that's exactly what this is. Just out of interest, and you mentioned there, there the hazy craze, which, which I think we've we've all kind of the craft beer culture worldwide has kind of mirrored that. So we went, we went some some interesting stuff, and then we went West Coast IPAs. Then we swung back to to go hazies, really juicy things. And in it sounds like it's done that for you guys too. Gone to um kind of lagers and and really try to try to refine that are there people in canada who are who are on that 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 kind of that train of trying to produce the finest lager they can like trying to create the things like in australia we've got um guys named hop nation who have done uh the rattenhund which we've we've which is a you know decoction mashing and and lagering for for eight what was it eight weeks i think david mm, something think like that, that. Yeah, yeah and uh white bay in sydney who who've got a who've got a oh they're they're czech pilsner we all got also lagered for eight weeks and and yeah really have you got is that kind of come through in in the North America as well? The the guy that chase for the perfect lager. Definitely, um, I think that uh, yeah, the the lager. I mean, for you know that the sorry the uh, hazy IPAs were were pretty much all everyone was really buying, I guess, for a little while. Um, sours were really big for a few years, but I even find that sours have kind of trailed off a little bit in terms of. Um, how much are people are really requesting them and wanting them? Um, but loggers are definitely on the up, uh, 100%. I mean, in Toronto, uh, there's a brewery called Godspeed. Uh, Bim used to uh, brew at uh, Du de Ciel in, in Quebec. Uh, he opened Godspeed in Toronto, and really their, their only focus is loggers and predominantly, I think, Czech loggers. Um, decoction mashes and extended loggering time um all of that the, the bellwoods brewery which is probably the most recognizable uh craft brewery in canada i would say uh especially internationally um they're making some fantastic pilsners they've got bellweiser which is their like i, I, I guess i don't want to call it their flagship pilsner but um i'll leave that to them but it's the one that's around the most uh they've got a couple other dry hop loggers paper tiger uh, i mean yeah everybody that was making really great new england style ipas is now making really great or attempting to make really great uh traditional style lagers um mm -hmm. yeah it's just a thing definitely that people are just uh hopping on i mean we even had our um we had our our main 
a hop supplier was in last week talking to me and we were talking about hop contracts and what we're going to buy next year and this and that. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, he lives like 20 minutes from other half uh, or sorry, not other half. He lives like 20 minutes from Treehouse uh, brewery in Pennsylvania. And he said that, yeah, you, you know, you went there two years ago and it's like 14 IPAs and 10 double IPAs. And now it's like six IPAs, six double IPAs, six different lagers, uh, and a couple of other, actually, he was saying even other traditional kind of English styles of beer, like ESBs, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think the traditional beer, uh, is coming back hundred percent mm. lagers. I mean, lagers are delicious, but as craft beer nerds, we spent so much time trashing them that we had to like we couldn't just like immediately say, Oh, we, you know, we trashed them forever, but they're great and love them again. We kind of had to like warm ourselves up to the fact that we are allowed to like loggers. I feel like uh, a little bit. Cause we, you know, we spent 10 years telling all of our friends that their loggers were shit and they needed to drink IPAs <laughs> if they wanted to have taste. And now it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe we were kind of wrong and maybe yeah. we just find the right logger. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's it's definitely yeah. That's that seems to be um, the way things are going. I mean, our IPAs and double IPAs sell quicker than anything that we make, but yeah. uh, our augers now are definitely in a close second. And we're doing all types. We're doing German style. We're brewing a Bohemian Czech Pilsner next week. Uh, we're doing all, all all different types. So, um, for you guys financially oh because lagering lagering means you've got a tank out of out of um out of commission or a few tanks out of commission for a long extended period of time um how much does that weigh on your mind financially when you're when you're brewing when you're kind of brewing these beers which which kind of lock up your resources yeah definitely i mean it's it's definitely uh top of mind for us um i mean you can turn around we can turn around two tanks of ipa in the time that we turn around a tank of vlogger right so i mean it's it's no question that it's uh it's difficult i think that we take that into consideration in terms of pricing um Mm -hmm. i mean if we could make a lager as fast as we could make an ipa then i think we could price it a little bit cheaper um but the fact is you know we use there are so much people don't realize especially when they come in they're like oh man your beer is like x amount of dollars like it's crazy i'm like you should see how much hops go into that beer. And, and at the same time, how, how much the hops, I mean, there, there's homebrewers here, the hops take away from your, from your yield. Right. So you're yeah. like, not only does this beer cost three times the amount or four times the amount, and sometimes five times the amount of what these lagers taste to take to brew, but we get like 80% of the yield. Right. So, I mean, we'll yield, if we're lucky 1900 liters out of a 20 barrel batch of IPA, but we can yield like 24, 2500 liters out of a, out of a uh, lager. Like it's like you lose nothing. Right. So um, those things kind of make up for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the same time, uh, if it's what people are looking for, I mean, you can really just pound them out and people are coming They're They're excited to see them. So um, tanks are, are expensive but at the same time they're not they're not the the, the most uh they're not the, the 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 biggest kind of expense that we have yeah. yep. we can you know we can invest in that and make it back if we if we do it the right way and we do it uh <laughs> this dog i love it um 
if we do it the right way and we and yeah we plan things out then then yeah it's it's an investment well worth making i guess you could say um yeah that dog who who is harassing our one of the the people in the zoom room james um actually is in the same continent as you which is he's, he's normally just down the road from us so it's a bit <laughs> freaky to see him in canada yeah 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 he's 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 slowly making his way back to melbourne from i believe a conference in in uh canada so that's yeah. awesome i so i don't know where he found a dog in all this but that's excellent yeah <laughs> i think that when you enter canada that nice they lend you a puppy for your visit <laughs> oh that 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 alone, I tell you, I feel like the Canadian tourist board should get onto that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> While we're talking matters Canada and we're learning about Canada a bit, um, I'm really interested to sort of know in terms of the ingredients that you use, we've spoken there about, you know, New Zealand hops and so forth, but how much of it are you able to source locally in Canada? Is there a, is there a Canadian you know, sort of hop growing hop. tradition and um, obviously <clears throat> not really. Apparently there was uh we grew a lot of hops um, back before the wars, but I think we switched to tobacco uh, mm -hmm. some time ago and then it's now something else. Um, there are a few hop producers in Ontario. There's a few hop producers kind of across the, the country. Uh, we don't admittedly use uh, any Canadian hops. Uh, I wasn't going to say many, but we don't uh, use any Canadian hops. We use, I mean, we have, Canada has a, a bounty of different grains. So, I mean, mm. all of our barley and all of our wheat and all of our oats mm. and all that kind of stuff is coming from Canada. Um, but really, you know, we, th this is something that we might look at, but for a long time, I mean, we were just really pounding out uh, IPAs, double IPAs, um the ales that we were doing that weren't ipas and double ipas were generally more traditional beers stouts uh esbs that uh, that kind of thing so we'd be looking for kind of the traditional hop for that beer um and ipas as far as ipas go it's like if really there's no secret if you want to make a great ipa then you have to buy the best hops that you can possibly mm -hmm. buy um and the best hops that you can possibly buy for a an IPA to, to make a big juicy hazy IPA and in, in our opinion we're coming from Canada they're coming from the Yakima Valley in uh, the United States they're coming from New Zealand they're coming from Australia um, so that was our commitment is if we're going to be trying if we're trying to make the best IPAs that we could possibly make then we got to go and get the best uh, hops that we can possibly get um, now having said that there's some Cascade there's some Chinook there's some uh, different hops that, that, that are being uh, farmed and grown more in uh canada that would be useful in beers such as lagers so um when we weren't making as many lagers you know we'd make one maybe every two months or one every three months it was be okay we want to make a traditional german hellas lager well what are we going to do we're going to use german malt german yeast german hops uh now that we're, we're we're making we're bringing more creativity i guess you could say into our lager program and we're making them a lot more often uh, we'll likely start to source some stuff from Canada because it won't feel like uh, if you can only make four a year, you like you you really we really wanted to make them traditional. Now, if you know if we're going to make twelve or or more loggers in a year, then we'll have a little more flexibility in time in terms of being creative and and possibly doing some um, some all Canadian stuff. A lot of breweries are doing all Canadian pilsners because, like I said, the Chinook, the Centennial, the Cascade that you can get in Canada um is great for those um we just haven't done that yet 
Uh, it's a really, that's a really good answer and interesting to sort of hear how those things develop. I mean, I think it's fair to say in Australia, as the tobacco industry wound back, that's yeah. where the hop industry went into those exact same sort of farms and sure. some of our best sort of regional yeah. breweries are now in those sort of areas that used to be tobacco areas before. Yeah, so you'll the, drive through through the Victorian highlands and, and like see tobacco drying sheds, like old tobacco drying sheds in in the like amongst all these hop growing farms. It's it's quite yeah. amazing. But the opposites have happened in Canada. It's there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now, yeah. Jeff, I've got one very strange question for you, which is, I love that. Do, do you do you have a bug zapper in your room at the moment, taking care of? <laughs> nasty canadian mosquitoes or something i'm getting weird little <laughs> snapping sounds in the background there <laughs> oh my god i have a nervous twitch and i'm clicking a pen i'm sorry ah that's all right i, I prefer my version of things but um mm. you can hear that oh, i'm sorry yeah I'm sorry. no that's all right i'm i play with this because yeah I, I, i've got a little fiddly thing as well so it's, <laughs> i need i need something more silent i've had to train myself i've truly had to train myself to stop sort of doing exactly what you're doing because yeah, I'm, I'm I, I do exactly the same thing yeah with it's finding the right it's finding the right thing to fidget with yeah, that's <laughs> right. so finding the right thing to fidget with I guess is a bit of an inside joke now but um <laughs> we should start to talk about outside jokes yeah we should start oh yes so I'm the king oh, of the segue you, today I'm, are you known in Australia for your segues you have to be <laughs> well <laughs> Not until Even, now. <laughs> Countrywide famous for segues. Local segue legend. Mm-hmm. I got to finish my beer if I'm going to pour the next one. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I certainly wasn't meaning to rush us. Um, oh, no. I've got off, a question. I, I've got a question we can fill in the. So you do segues, I do fillers. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this this might be. This is, a, this is a question. We normally ask this question of all our guests because it's just nice to get a sense of of where their beer journeys come from and with international guests i find this really fascinating because they talk about a lot of breweries which we're completely not aware of so we kind of need a little bit more detail there um it's so so what was your what was the first craft beer you had and where did it and and kind of what was the background to it where where did it come from where where did it all start um yeah so i had a i i was like a a coors light drinker for uh uh, however many years i don't know 15 um and i i had buddies who uh had moved to the city and they got into craft beer and they were always bugging me why are you drinking that shit and i'm like well because it tastes like beer the stuff you're drinking tastes like shit and you know we'd get into those fights um but then, uh, but then they really, uh, the beer that actually kind of turned me was a beer called uh, Red Red Racer. Mm. Uh, it's a brewery from a brewery called Central Central City, I believe. Yeah, Central City, and and they're from BC. So they uh, had started distribution in Ontario, um, and one of my buddies went where they. He was, you know, seeking out beer and uh, bought a case. And he said, you got to try this beer. It's amazing. Uh, It's an IPA. And in my opinion, this version of this beer, I don't know if it's changed over the years. I haven't had it in quite some time, but it was like the epitome of a West Coast IPA. It was 75 IBU, I think, or something, 80 IBU, Uh, super coppery, really, you could taste the crystal malt through the can. I mean, it was just like West Coast IPA kind of thing. Um, and I had a sip 
And I'd had, he had, you know, tried to get me to drink West Coast IPAs before, but there was something about, well, I don't know if it was the situation. I don't know if it was the temperature of the beer, the glass it was in, the people I was with, whatever the hell it was, but it just, that one clicked. And I was like, holy shit, man, like, this is really, really tasty. Like, this is a beer that I could session. And, you know, this we're talking about a 7% beer or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I had that beer and, and that one, that one changed my mind forever. Um, then uh, there's a brewery in Toronto called Amsterdam Brewery. They got a West Coast IPA called Bone Shaker. So Bone Shaker was, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen that beer. If you haven't, Google it. It's the coolest branding probably on any beer ever. Um, it's like a skeleton riding a bike and it's called Bone Shaker. I mean, it can't get any better than that. That's um, another West Coast IPA that he got me on. And then they actually have a double IPA version of it called Fracture, which I think is like 9% again west coast um and those three beers i would say are, are responsible for uh where i now sit here today <laughs> right and That's the bone shaker i've just literally just looked up the bone shaker yeah, I was, labeling. Uh, awesome. it is fantastic yeah. yeah which coming from you we'll get onto your yeah, yeah. Along the yeah. Way, but i've got to say for coming sure. from you that's a big compliment so <laughs> yeah because the the town yeah, let's. Well, now's a good time to kind of move into it because, yeah, as we're as we're crossing into as we're as we're moving to outside jokes, um, yeah, your branding, your branding is really attractive and beautiful, and and it and uh, the theme throughout, and like it feels like there is a thread which travels throughout each one of your labels. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about kind of the philosophy behind behind your labels and a little bit about the people who could, well, it looks like people contribute to the, the different pictures too. Yeah, and it's actually perfect because I think your guys' outside jokes looks different than my outside jokes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Does, yeah. 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 So it's this, like so- the kind of twilight clouds kind of thing. Yeah, I was you gonna go with a Turner up. painting. There you go. I was gonna go all out. Like that. the watercolor painting. So we just yeah. changed the label on outside jokes probably two months ago. So yep. this is the new version. And as you guys know, it takes a while to get to get beer across uh mm-hmm. the ocean. So um, but yeah, our, our branding, um, we actually don't use anybody in-house, it's just myself and uh our marketing uh manager Travis who we essentially just like scour the internet for art that we really like. Uh, and by the internet, I really, I just mean Instagram. Um, but uh, we follow, we follow tons of artists. Um, the theme is the idea for us, for sure, over the last year was to really tighten up what our branding was and what our labels kind of looked like. And although every label is different, uh, and every label is generally a, a work of art done by somebody. We wanted it all to kind of like connect the dots so that even if you had never seen that piece of art before, you you kind of knew it was a town can. I mean, the white border kind of helps with that, the, um, the uh, branding on the side. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's definitely an art first label, uh, which I think a lot of the kind of craft beer world is is going. But what we do is we actually just like reach out to artists who we really like their art online and we, we ask them to license it. So we say, uh, you know, and these people are all over the world. I mean, the new outside jokes, this label here is a, is a woman from Germany, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a beer we did future birds. I think we actually sent that over. Yeah. To, we've got future birds in the pack. Yeah. So that painting is painted by a guy in Luxembourg randomly. Wow. Um, 
we paid him to use the art and then he's like oh but i want some of the beer and we're like yeah man we'll send you the beer for sure but i mean i think you might have to cover shipping like we'll cover the beer <laughs> you might have to pay the shipping and i'm pretty sure that the shipping outweighed the actual amount we paid him for the art but he was just stoked <laughs> to be to be a part of it but yeah i mean that's kind of uh the thing is like a, a big part of the brewery is the community aspect and and trying to support uh artists uh, specifically uh, visual artists and musicians and uh it's a big part of kind of what we do we usually do one charity brew uh a month uh we let one of our staff members pick the ch a charity that's near and dear to their hearts and we'll donate a portion of uh one release per month to a charity mm -hmm. um do that we uh we like to support all of these different artists by like i said going out and trying to license their 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 work um and then we do a lot, we, we promote a lot of concerts. Uh, we do kind of uh, a, a lot around music. There's a lot of musicians who work at the brewery. Um, a lot of uh, self-proclaimed musicians, but also actual musicians. Um, but yeah, we, we, we tend to just try and uh, not even try, we just kind of like end up uh, involved in a lot of different um, concerts and stuff like that in our, uh, around the brewery and in, in Durham region as a whole, but, uh, but yeah, the art for sure is, is something that we really love. It's like, honestly, like we spend hours a week, just like talking about it and, and uh, looking for new stuff. And I mean, we, we release, we only have, we have uh, a beer called quick one, which is like a light lager. We have outside jokes. We have mad nice, which is the next beer we're drinking and then square wheels. And those are kind of our four kind of mainstays. And then, we release a new beer or two new beers every week uh, on top of that. So we have like a significant amount of labels to make and art to find. And it's become kind of like a whole thing for us for sure. And naming them and doing all that kind of stuff. It's like really fun for the staff and myself, especially and, and, and Travis, but uh, also it's, I feel like it's kind of something that our customers have started to look forward to as well. Um, not just the beer in the can, but the, uh, the art on the outside of the can, which is really cool. So, uh, yeah, we really, we, we, we really like it. It's super important to us as well. So awesome. Can, can I ask, and this is sort of, you know, as much a suggestion, anything else, is, um, is there a way to actually have the artist's name or their Instagram page or something on the, on the label as well, just to sort of get their story out there a bit? Well, that's the thing. And we always, uh, we always do like, um, uh, like a like a shout out to them on a, on our on our uh, Instagram and on our website and on our Facebook when we release the beer. We also do these things on our um, on our social media from time to time where it's like a community focus or like an artist focus. Um, so we released a beer called Bigfoot like two months ago uh, from an artist. Uh, man, I don't even actually know his real name, but his his Instagram handle and like his art artist name is Boring Friends. Um, but we sent our social media people in to go uh, spend the day with him one day uh, and kind of do some video uh, work and, and, a, and a short interview and stuff. And then we post that on our on our uh, Instagram stories. Um, so, yeah, we haven't actually put it on the the label, but we do do some stuff to try and pull it in as like a full. Um, yeah. Yeah, immersive, like I suppose. Yeah, like you almost immersed it. Yeah, you guys almost yeah capture that person and and really. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And 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 a guy like like boring friends. I mean, we'll use him on more than just the one. I mean, we do a lot of different merch as well. 
uh, different merch designs from different artists. Um, and uh, we try and highlight them kind of as much as we can as well. A boring friend is an awesome name. A boring friend is awesome. There's a lot of awesome names in this podcast. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Jane, who is joining us in the chat, has asked a really good question there, which I didn't even oh, yeah. pick up on. But I didn't pick up on that either. Yeah. Um, is there no requirement in Canada to put the number of drinks in a can? No. Um, that must make it one of the very few countries in the world where that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have that requirement. We've got a lot of other requirements. Um, Everything in Canada from a uh, alcohol perspective is, is uh, by province or do you guys have provinces or states? States, but yeah, we yeah. get the, we get the, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, all the different provinces kind of like uh, oversee all of the alcohol. We in Ontario are in one of the most restrictive, but yeah, they don't require us to say how many, how many uh, like daily drinks or standard drinks or whatever that would be bad for us especially making some double ipas and triple ipas and imperial stouts <laughs> and and no, not no health us, warnings but... or anything else either yeah that's it yeah and the outside jokes i mean that that's the one that goes into the lcbo which is our like uh monopoly government run yeah. uh like beer provider liquor provider um and yeah so that outside jokes has literally everything that they require on the label which is yeah which is kind of remarkable because yeah for us there's tons of oh yeah, yeah. yeah. just have to have our ingredients where it's made uh any allergens and the alcohol content and the the uh, volume and and i've got to say and this is just me because my son who's 10 is enjoying speaking with a french accent lately but i'm i am loving the list of ingredients uh in a non-english oh yeah there. Mm. um there's so you know, flaked wheat and i'm presuming I can, and even what i never i did french for six years and never learned the word for hops so there you go yeah. there's something that my schoolboy french never taught me a hundred percent they don't teach us anything useful in school do they no no, I'll, I'll, I'll write a letter to my school just reminding them of that fact now. But um, it's it's both hilarious and fun to sort of see that from an Australian point of view where we don't. See oh, yeah. That. Everything we have, French and English. Um, so let's, yeah, let's get on to outside jokes. Um, yeah. We forgot to ask the question for the lager, which is what makes a good lager. But we'll ask for this one. What makes a good pale ale? What for you makes a good pale ale? Um, I mean, short of just like no off flavors and, and, and that, I mean, that, I mean, every pale, uh, pale ale is such a, such a wide variety of different beers. Right. So, I mean, what makes, I'll answer like what makes outside jokes a good outside jokes. Um, definitely a balance of sweetness, uh, bitterness, uh, and hops. Um, I mean, hops and bitterness, I break out into two just because hops aren't bitterness and bitterness aren't hops. They, they do correlate, but yeah. it's not always the same. Um, but really what we focus on, uh, is, uh, sweetness and, and body and where the beer ferments down to, mm-hmm. uh, obviously your sugar, the, the, the sugar level where you start, and then it'll ferment down the sugar le- level where you end will give you the alcohol content, but it would also give you the, um, the residual sugar content. So how much sweetness is left in the beer, how much body is left in the beer. Um, and I think that like, uh, again, short of like obvious off flavors, just caused from bad brewing, 
uh, or, or oxygenation. I mean, all the things that you don't need in beer and that clearly make them bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the things that make beer uh, good is, is just a balance of, of sweetness, body, uh, and flavor and bitterness. Um, and for us, we want our, uh, pale ales to finish uh i mean especially i mean this is a new england style pale ale it's a hazy pale ale uh dry hopped at like a kilogram per hectoliter um it's hopped pretty aggressively in the whirlpool um there's a lot of hop flavor Mm -hmm. um so it needs body and it needs sweetness to uh to to balance all of that out um and so that's really the biggest thing for me is is balance um we don't use any crystal malt. We don't use any, any um, caramel malts or anything like that. Like this beer is just two row wheat oats. Um, we really don't want the malt to get in the way of the hop flavor. I mean, this beer is, is, is essentially meant to be an expression of, uh, of hops really. Um, so in this beer, we use a, a hop called Sultana in the Whirlpool, which is used to be called Denali uh but i think gm maybe sued them or something i don't really know uh but it started as denali it's called sultana now uh it's also has citra uh actually the showcase hop in this beer is azaka uh azaka is one of our favorite hops actually i think it's a totally underrated hop uh but two-thirds of the dry hop in this beer is azaka and and one-third of the dry hop in this beer is citra um so pretty simple three hops two in the dry hop one in the whirlpool um supposed to just be really pineapple-y uh really citrusy um just easy drinking juicy beer um and yeah it's again an an expression of the hops the the oats are there for body um the wheat and the uh and the two row just provide a nice base and and really it's just like balance uh and yeah that's that's really kind of what i think makes this a nice pale ale for sure In terms of so so this is obvious. So if for people who haven't haven't seen this, and hopefully um, we'll have yeah, hopefully you'll get get around and see outside jokes from Town Brewery. Um, but it it does have this really beautiful canary yellow pop, and and it is cloudy. Like so, I'm assuming because because Pale Owls and IPAs are, are your thing. You've got a few that that sit in your your do you have a non-cloud I'm, I'm trying to ask because i don't know um do you have a non-cloudy version do you have kind of that more traditional uh pale ale which is a more traditional new world pale ale no not really i mean we have um we all of our pale ales would be considered like american pale ales mm-hmm. um but we have actually started toying with and uh you know, you guys can, you, you can be the judge, but we've, we've actually started toying around with some different Australian style of beers, um, oh, cool. which we just recently started doing. I have like, I have like this, uh, like, I don't want to call it obsession because that sounds weird, but like, I really feel as though I should live in Australia. Like, I feel like that is my actual place that I should, should be. We think um, all or all the brewers should just move to Australia and just, I think we should. Like, I mean, like, I don't know why. Like, yeah. I spent like four months a year shoveling snow. Like, how stupid is that? Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> I have to put salt on my driveway so I don't slip down it. Like it. Anyways, uh, yeah. I, I deserve, Australia is like the warm version of Canada. Yeah, I deserve and and <laughs> I think belong in Australia. Anyways, um, 
So we've talked, we've, 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 uh, and I, I admittedly I haven't, I haven't actually personally drank a lot of Australian beer, but I follow a lot of different Australian uh, breweries and specifically we see XPAs made all the time. Uh, mm. it seems to be a very popular beer style in Australia. And, uh, uh I know that stone and wood, again, we were talking about them earlier. Um, they're, they're more of like a commercial craft brewer, uh, but they make it like a Pacific golden ale. Yeah. Um, so, uh, my obsession with Australia combined with, uh, a new actual hire. Her name is Kiera. She worked at a winery in Australia and then she moved back to Ontario and started working at the brewery. Um, she was talking about these Pacific golden ales, XPAs, that kind of thing. Maybe we should try and make some of those. So we actually just about, uh, a month or two ago made our first XPA, mm -hmm. uh, which, it's such a weird style. It's not really a style, but it is, it is a style. It, it could be called an IPA. It could be called a pale ale, yeah. but like it's called an XPA instead. Um, we went out on a limb a little bit called ours an XPA. Uh, yeah, right. And essentially it was like, no one understood it. They're like, what is that? We're like, well, whatever. it's a thing, you know, on the other side of the world. Um, but we did, we tried to do more of like a clear, it was just two row and wheat. Uh, a little bit of Munich malt for color and, and, and malt kind of flavor. Um, we bittered it to 30 IBU. Like we bittered it, like we, like more of a West coast style, but not all the way there. But then we only used uh, like juicy, I guess, new England style IPA hops to hop it. Um, so it was like this kind of mashup. We looked at a lot of different um, Australian recipes and what, what you guys were doing. Um, and, and we did the, and it was actually quite successful. It was, it was very successful in cans. So people coming into the brewery and they, they were trying on tap and then they grab some cans and take it home. Um, but then, uh, almost no restaurants wanted to buy the kegs cause I think they didn't know what it was and didn't want to try to have to explain it to their customers. Um, so there's that like next level of, uh, uh, lost in translation i guess so uh anyways we we made that xpa and then we're actually uh we just last last week uh brewed a pacific golden ale uh based loosely off of stone and woods pacific golden ale because yep. again i've never i've never in my life actually tried it um i just am obsessed with their brewery in byron bay and and their <laughs> whole general aura in general mm -hmm. um not obsessed that one's a little a little too much but uh you but keep yeah, saying obsessed so we're gonna we're just gonna presume that you're obsessed man no matter I'm what you say i'm pretty obsessive um but yeah and again it's just like a light uh like a 4.4 percent beer made with two row and 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 wheat malt and then hops with all uh australian hops uh we actually didn't go with the stone and woodway of just all galaxy we went like uh vic secret enigma and uh pick secret enigma and what was the third one maybe it was galaxy anyways it was uh mm. uh we're, we're really excited for it so uh have we done a, like a traditional english pale ale no uh we really haven't done any traditional english beers other than maybe like an, a an esb and some stouts uh, when it comes to pale ales they're typically newer aged american pale ales mm -hmm. uh and when we buy pas they're typically newer aged uh new england IPAs but again that's even changing we're looking at doing different beers uh maybe not a west coast style but maybe like a hybrid uh I hate the term but a no coast uh IPA oh yeah uh, I've never heard that phrase before I, I love it yeah <laughs> no yeah. coast 
I, I, like, I don't know why. I just like can't get on it. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't flyover know IPA. Yeah, but I feel like people are looking for and, and brewers specifically, and and people. I mean, let's be honest. Like the 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 young kids don't care as much about craft beer as we did. Um, you're not. You're you're gonna be hard pressed to find a 22 year old that gives a shit about about beer in general. To be honest. Yeah. Uh, in Ontario anyway so as we all get older and and, and the pandemic also did, didn't help with this is we all sat home for two years and drank beer um you know we can't drink we can't drink 450 calorie uh New England IPAs all day and night anymore so we're, we're and I think that's what's helping the lager craze but again you have these hop heads who love hops and they want hops and they they want IPAs and it, but maybe it's going to be a drier IPA. Maybe it's going to be a lighter bodied IPA. Maybe it's going to be, um, you know, the cold IPA that's, that, that, that's going on. The brute IPA was around for like three weeks, but then disappeared. Um, but it's like, I feel as though there's going to be a change in that way. And I think it's going to be, I think it's really going to be driven by just more approachable i mean there's really in my mind nothing more approachable than a new england ipa because because a good one tastes like pineapple and orange juice but i mean at the end of the day like a, a lighter abv is definitely a thing uh drier beers with less residual sugar is definitely a thing it'll be interesting to see kind of how all that stuff plays out and there's some australian beer styles that i personally think uh fall in that kind of category so the xpa and the the pacific golden ale being two of them so it's, it's probably a good little point for a, not so much a segue as a, a little ad for the podcast, but to get uh, people reminded that we had a, uh, a fantastic Queensland brewery on recently, the first ever time we've had a, a brewery from Queensland, and they do a tropical lager. Uh, and in terms of interesting styles and emerging Australian styles and places, Jeff, that you might end up if you go up to the Gold Coast, uh, it's a really interesting take and I think a fairly original style as well. So check out the archives for Sea Legs episode, which I think was 134. I don't think tropical, I don't think tropical ales go work in Ontario. Like, <laughs> no, that's why Jeff's going to have to move here. Yeah, he's going to have to move yeah. and try and in the tropics. It's, I, have, um, I have two kids and a wife, but if you guys have an extra two rooms, then I'm, I'm in. Well, well, David apparently is doing renovation, so, you know, you can never... <laughs> that means I've got no rooms whatsoever. But anyway, let's not bog down on my misery. <laughs> kids are cute. Just to have a side. What? No, kids in general aren't cute. I'm sure your kids are cute to you. My kids are cute to me. Kids in general. Man. There's some There's yeah. some really dangerous ground here. I'm going to move it along. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks David. <laughs> talking about styles there, about expats and all that... Uh, on your website, you talk about sort of the modern take uh, as well on pale ales and IPAs. Uh, and I guess we've heard a fair bit there about your philosophy of the kind you like. Just out of interest, what, were the, what was the old-fashioned version of pale ales and IPAs that you're responding to? Well, I guess that would be, maybe that's something even to be updated, really, because I guess that would be more like, you know, I, I would consider an old school IPA a West Coast IPA at this point, um, and a new school IPA being a New England or a hazy IPA. Um, but I mean, you look back on this conversation two years from now, and maybe I'll look like an idiot because the New England IPA is going to be the old school IPA and the and the tropical lager, the tropical IPA is going to be the tropical. But, you know, I, I, I truly do believe there's going to be something that uh, that takes place. And we have this conversation at the brewery a lot, you know, like for a long time, a West Coast IPA 
was had to be labeled a West Coast IPA because mm. it was, hey, this is different than your grandpa's IPA that he got from England. But here's a, our West Coast IPA. And then it got to a point where West Coast IPAs were so prevalent that they were just IPAs. So mm. hey, we, we don't have to put West Coast anymore. It's just like Bone Shakers and IPA. Uh, Central cities and like all of these these beers just become IPAs. Well, then we get to the point where we start transitioning and breweries like Treehouse and Trillium and all of these different spots in New England start making these great New England hazy IPAs. And then you have to label your beer New England IPA because you want people to know that it's a New England IPA or a hazy IPA. But then after a while, it's just like, well, it's just an IPA because that's just IPAs now. So it's like my question to our staff is what is going to be the next one? Like it might not be tomorrow. It might not be next month, but like, what is going to be the next IPA? And, and it's people have tried. I mean, the brute IPA that, that was attempted in San Diego and kind of went across North America. I don't know if it got over to you guys in Australia. It didn't last very long. Yeah, we always say gone. that it lasted about as long as it took to brew one. So, but so yeah, if you'd, yeah, if you'd have brewed exactly. one on the day that the trend arrived, it probably wasn't actually yeah. going to be any good by the time you know it came. Hundred percent. And now you have the cold IPA, which is like a warm fermented lager, uh, dry hopped essentially. Uh, and again, it's like I don't know where it's going to go, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, maybe the you know at some point maybe the uh, the the website's going to need an update because. Uh, well, hopefully we really at the, at the same time as maybe the, the 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 website needs an update from what we originally were talking about with our comment of saying of the modern pillows and modern IPAs. Hmm. Hopefully we can evolve with what happens and uh, and, you know, we're going to continue to make whatever is kind of on the on the the, the front of of whatever the kind of styles uh, go. Right. So um, not to get too bogged down in styles and names of styles what's a donut beer and we've got yeah. a donut beer in the pack and oh, i was looking at it going that sounds delicious but i have no idea what this is we've had some ridiculous names i mean like we're we definitely don't take uh we take our brewing very seriously uh we take our liquid very seriously i mean if you know like we have some of the dumbest beer names in in beer at the end of the day like we have a beer called couch full of dads uh we have <laughs> that like, is brilliant. you know what yeah uh, that is brilliant our like flagship i don't even know IPA, what that is but i drink it our flagship ipa is is square wheels like it's like they're not some of them are really dumb i mean chill as frig is the dumbest beer name you've probably ever heard and we're drinking that beer right now but i mean like at the end of the day we we really don't try and take ourselves too seriously aside from our actual crafting of the beverage. Um, so uh, the donut beer story is we actually partnered with another local whippy business called Crave Donuts, and they make like I'm sure you guys have them over there, like these just ridiculous donuts that are probably you know fifteen thousand calories, and they look mm -hmm. like a cake, and they've got like you know donut pieces on top of a donut stacked with more donuts, and it's like they're it's it's insane. Yeah, that um, is more so a North part, American thing than an Australian thing. We get what yeah, you're probably, talking about. We, probably did more, we did that with smoothies and shakes. Like you'd get a smoothie, and there'd be like the garnish of that 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 shake, that milkshake <laughs> was a donut, and like yeah, and then, like cream and there and there. So I think so I got, understand where that's coming from. The donut, and well, I have the, served uh, burgers oh. in donuts. I have sliced a donut in half and served a burger in it. So that's. Oh. <laughs> We got a lot of influence from the U.S. and we all know what comes with that. So, yeah. We got <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but we we partnered with them and we we wanted to create a beer based on one of their donuts so i think we wanted to originally do a blackberry lemon cruller uh but we couldn't get blackberries um so the beer that we ended up doing was a mango coconut lime fritter and then we made that into a beer and so we were trying to determine what the what we were going to call it we're like well it's got mango it's got coconut it's got lime it's essentially a pale ale base but we used so much lime that it almost made it a sour but we didn't sour it like with lactobacillus so we should we call it a sour and there's all these questions going through our mind and we're like fuck it let's just call it a donut beer like whatever who cares like what are we gonna go to like beer jail because we called it a donut beer so uh we called it a donut beer and and we went with it so you know i want to go to beer jail (laughs) jail. well that's the thing and and you know don't drop the hops (laughs) (laughs) so many there's there's a lot of people spend a lot of time just like really yeah, you know, being in it's this specific style or it's that specific style, yeah. and at the end of the day, it's not because it's not brewed in that country or it's not using that water, or whatever it is, whatever it isn't. Yeah. But uh, you know, we like to have. Some, I mean, we made a beer that we called a pastry lager because uh, everyone was making pastry stouts, uh, and we decided we were going to make a lager and put a bunch of vanilla and coconut and chocolate, like actual chocolate. Um, what are they called? Like chocolate discs into the whirlpool i'm like well what should we call this is it a this is it a that is and it's like sometimes the beer that you're making just doesn't fit into a bjcp uh guideline and sometimes you just gotta call it a pastry lager donut beer Mm -hmm. i've got to say i reckon as people listen to this podcast around the world there's going to be half of the audience nodding absolutely vigorously and the other half just about turning off and saying we're never going to listen to these guys again but the thing is, is that the people who are uh, who are angry at the way that we're naming our beers, we're probably not buying our beers in the first place. So, and I've got to say as well, because I looked up the couch full of dads. Um, oh yeah, label, and and I guess in my mind, I had something like the Simpsons couch gag, you know, as a label in mind. <laughs> and except it looks more like the wallpaper that was in my grandmother's house. It's a beautiful looking <laughs> label, but it's there's a real juxtaposition there between the name and the label. <laughs> it looks it's supposed to look like my grandma's old couch pattern oh well so yeah so so let's yeah (laughs) if if your grandmother had brought her couch to my grandmother's house it would have been so beautifully camouflaged that no one would have known where to sit down hold on is it a pale is a couch full of dads a pale we're talking about a beer that we're not going to try but is it a pale ale sorry i missed the an ipa oh yeah cool yeah 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 we made some we i mean we were we were gonna we're we're working right now actually on a two and a half percent uh ipa which again it's not an ipa it's it's two and a half percent it doesn't fit into the style guidelines but Mm. whatever we're calling it a ipa two and a half percent ipa and we were gonna we were gonna call that one uh a brick shithouse but we decided against it so we just called it super light instead (laughs) (laughs) not copra light like we had a beer called absolute absolute unit uh we had a we've had all kinds of dumb names but (laughs) while we're talking about that because we've got this real trend and i think you probably touched on it before in terms of the calories you get out of a beer why why are you looking at a two and a half percent beer is that just reflective of the age of everyone who's in the zoom room with us today or (laughs) 
because you know honestly it's like uh it's something that we 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 looked at as a bit of a challenge uh and there's also like do you guys have the seltzer craze going on oh yeah so seltzers seltzers are definitely a thing but like the every every key like stat is showing seltzer sales uh essentially uh plummeting to us, I don't know if you guys had like a cider craze about six, seven, maybe eight years ago. Where yeah, I could get yeah. Uh, cider, get ciders and recordling and stuff like that, all those sort of associated. Oh, so uh, we, there's like, a resurgence in cider here because Tasmania is a big apple apple growing area. Yeah. And and like mold cider, I've seen that everywhere around Melbourne. Like, I don't know if you've seen it, Dave, but you can get mold cider in most places all sell. That, that happen to have cider so that's the thing but yeah i'm sorry cider, we're off track the cider there's definitely some cideries in ontario that are making like amazing ciders like really fine crafted naturally uh fermented revel cider makes probably some of the best ciders in the let's country say the world. let's say the world the world, yeah. the world. Yeah. um but but like 10 years ago you would go to a bar in in toronto mm-hmm. and you could get you guys have summersby yeah oh, yes. total yep. trash but 10 years ago you'd be able to get for like two summers you'd be able to get four different flavors of it on draft so you'd have a place with 24 taps and four of the taps would be cider that's what and i was like, thinking of when i was mentioning the recording like yeah. summer, not real cider but like shit cider right but then seltzers are now the thing and 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 there's people going wow well, seltzers are gonna be around forever it's this it's that it's that it's like i'm like I, i'm just convinced that it's just a craze yeah. um it's just a thing that people are gonna get bored of whatever just like yeah. the, the people got on ciders and then they got bored of that but i think that like one thing that i also used to work for a liquor company and 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 one of the things with when i was working at the liquor company is we were really pushing high-end spirits is because millennials whatever that is but 20 to say <laughs> 25 year olds yep. they don't do what we used to do which is like save every quarter we have to go buy a two for a beer and then find a like a like a bush to drink in it mm-hmm. they're instead of buying you know like a 40 dollar two for they're buying like a 40 dollar mickey of like premium liquor yeah. and and drinking a few drinks on a friday night it's twisted i don't get it but um yeah. they're looking to drink less but uh, better be healthier and just be generally happier people i guess but whatever that's to each their own um but non-alcoholic and and extremely low alcohol beers are are in the united states at least um really uh skyrocketing in terms of sales and it's like a direct correlation with seltzer sales going down and these other beers going up so and me personally i mean i you know there's no pause it's like I'm, i'm i'm on or i'm off so if i if i'm the Saturday and it, my first beer is at noon. Like it's it's till I go to bed. So I mean, a, a two and a half percent beer would be a nice beer to have, so I can drink kind of and enjoy it yeah. all day. So yeah. we're trying to find a a beer that it'll be a little bit hazy. It'll be dry hopped almost as aggressively as our uh, regular IPAs, um, and uh, just kind of see if we can make something that uh, that satisfies that palate. We used to be really convinced that that people's uh, sense of um uh like value uh so it was based on alcohol percentage so 
Uh, people aren't going to pay five bucks for a can of beer unless it's over 6%. Uh, people aren't going to pay over $6 for a beer unless it's over 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I, I think, anyways, is starting to change a little bit. And that people's perception of uh, value is changing. And maybe for the better in terms of just like they just want a better crafted beverage. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be high alcohol to justify <clears throat> the, the spend. Yeah. I, I reckon that long extensive discussion of seltzers is a, is a good reason to have a little pause in the, uh, in the live recording so that people can go and uh, grab the next beers, go to the bathroom if they need to, and uh, we'll come back in a few minutes. Well, we're back here with Jeff from Town Brewery, uh, all the way from Canada uh, to Australia. It's fantastic to have you here. It's fantastic to have cool rumours spread from New Zealand to Sydney to Melbourne to Canada itself. James is over there. Um, we're moving on from the outside jokes to the mad nice. Um, tell us a little bit about you know the hops that are here in the mad nice and you know how we're transitioning from one beer to another. Yeah, absolutely. Um... The Mad, Mad Nice is actually our latest beer that we put into the uh, LCBO, which again is like the uh, the liquor store in in Ontario. Um, so it it has become one of our flagship kind of mainstay IPAs for the last four or five months. Um, it's a Citra Whirlpool. Uh, I think Citra has been in all of the three beers that we've had today. We don't use Citra in all of our beers, but we do. I mean, we are a uh, IPA focused brewery. We use a lot of Citra mm-hmm. in a year, but uh, Mad Nice, uh, we, we Whirlpool Citra. And then we also use Idaho 7, which is a really nice uh, hop that we tend to use quite a bit uh, at the brewery, as well as Simcoe and a fairly new hop to us called Talus. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's a really nice beer. Um, it's definitely, uh, I feel like, uh, the version that you guys have might be a little bit different from the version that I have. Uh, I feel like the the version that you guys have was kind of the first or even the second um, kind of batch of the beer. It hasn't changed drastically, but uh, it's definitely a beer that, you know, um, when we have an idea, when we have um, kind of like the recipe, we'll, we'll make a new, a new label or a new brand or whatever, if we're really, really changing it up. But this beer, we've kind of just tweaked with a little bit here and there, uh, change the dry hop, the, the weights of the different hops. We haven't changed the actual hops, but just weights of it sometimes. Um, and I feel like we've landed on a, uh, on a recipe that we're really, really stoked with. Um, I think that uh, someone's saying a little bit of spiciness. So that's the talus. So the talus is a, like a really interesting hop um it has this like really great floral but uh dank but also like fruity uh kind of like combination to it which you don't see a lot i mean citra is that 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 essentially is citra um but citra and citra the the citrus just really shines and it just all balances out i mean every hop is just like a beer as well i mean you, you need all of those different flavors in the hop to balance out to really make it uh, a star but talus is really cool it's just has these like woody kind of aromatics to it as well it's just like this really kind of like unique uh flavor profile um and really when i say that we like toyed around with this beer it's more just like how much talus we put in it and uh sometimes a little more sometimes a little less um but the idaho seven gives it's like typical pineapple 
kind of like uh, cannabis combo that Idaho 7 is just really known for. Uh, Simcoe is just your citrusy, uh, lemony, fruity, tropical, just kind of uh, smoothie, kind of, I guess. <laughs> and then the Talus just has that like really unique woody floral. Uh, and it all combines to just make, I honestly think that Mad Nice is maybe our most drinkable uh, IPA. It's just very smooth. It's not any, it's not like Mad Nice to me is just not anything. It's not too much of anything. It's it's like a really balanced, really easy drinking. Uh, it's got a little bit of, of residual sweetness uh, from uh, the malts, but but nothing too like crystally or nothing too like honey sweet. Um, and then the hops are, are, it's not like a citrus punch, but it, it's also not a tropical fruit punch. It's just kind of like a very balanced, easy drinking, uh, good representation of kind of like what a, a nice kind of hazy IPA, uh, is I think anyways. So it's beautiful. I'm, I'm loving this beer. I've got to say it's uh, going down very, very nicely. Um, Mickey in the chat has sort of asked the question that was like literally next on our question list, yeah. which is. The term strong beer is one that we see a bit on American beers. Sometimes we obviously see on this beer. It's not something that we sort of use as a phrase in Australia and certainly not for a beer that's 6.3%. So what, yeah. what does strong beer mean to you guys? So that is uh, that's not our choice. That's actually a, like a government legislated thing. So oh. any beer that's 4% or lower is light beer. Any beer that's four percent to five point two percent, I don't know why they just randomly picked five point two. There'd be a good uh, reason lost, you know, that the politicians decided just to yeah, take off politicians beer, from and anything above five point two percent is strong beer. So it also correlates with uh, the um, variance on our alcohol content that we're legally allowed to have. So any beer that's five point two percent or lower can legally be 0.5% higher or lower um, and, and like pass the sniff test at the liquor store. Um, any beer that's 5.2% or higher can actually be a full percentage uh, plus or minus. So like you could have a Mad Nice that's labeled 6.3% that's legally allowed to be 7.2% or legally allowed to be 5.4%, which is yeah, right. to me that's a lot of tolerance. Yeah. Big time. Especially when you own a brewery with a tap room in a suburb where everyone drives there, nobody walks, no one takes transit. And, you know, especially, well, when it really gets gross is when you've got a double IPA that's 8.3% that can technically be 9.2% and just pass, right? Yeah. Um, so I always joke, like, people are like, oh, man, when I drink your beer, I, I get so drunk. And I'm like, well, because it's the actual percentage on the can. When you're drinking your Bud Light and it says 4%, you know Budweiser has the technology to make sure that beer is 3.51%. So it just passes, and you can drink as many as you possibly can and need more. So, yeah, that's but that's the whole thing with Strong Beer, beer, uh, that label. Those aren't actually on our other labels those are just on the um on the lcbo like liquor store brands so. we're going to ask another question about that later on in our audience q a so just if you're listening in and fascinated by what all of that means we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a little bit but um fascinating to hear about the the strong ales and um the square the square wheels is also a strong ale is that right a strong yeah. beer i should say yeah yeah 
and square wheels square wheels was our original flagship ipa actually that we that one's been in the lcbo the liquor store here for i think two years now um again ipa hazy ipa new england ipa it's it square wheels for us i mean at the brewery we never drink it because it's been around for so long but uh whenever we do we're like oh my god this beer is really good we're like oh yeah i've kind of it's like the forgotten child, you know what I mean? <laughs> we do we we totally, I think we totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> not because I was a forgotten child or anything. I'm not sort of channeling <laughs> anything there. Um I'm sort of really fascinated when we talk to breweries that, you know, as you guys do, clearly do so many beers of a similar style. You know, how do you keep coming up with inspiration? How do you keep coming up with new ideas? Is it because there are hops you've never used before or what inspires you? Um, yeah, it's, it's really, there's, there's so many different hops out there. Um, there's so many different flavor profiles that you can kind of take from them. Um, what we'll, what we'll try to do, uh, cause it, it, there's, there's, you know, memes out there and jokes out there is like, it's like Citra Mosaic Galaxy, Citra Mosaic Simcoe, Citra Mosaic this, Citra Mosaic that, you know, and we get that too. But at the end of the day, what we've, what we've really tried to start doing is, is what is the concept for this beer? So, um, you know, we made a, we made a pale ale called Midnight Special and the concept for that beer was to make the most orange tangerine citrus forward beer we could possibly make and what are the hops that we can pull together to kind of do that um we just released a beer two weeks ago called real talk i'm looking around because i had a can of it earlier um but the whole basis for that was can we take all of the most berry forward hops that we kind of know so your strata your mosaic your belma uh your nelson nelson no what was it strata mosaic uh belma and i forget the other one there's four hops but it's just like all really berry forward hops and if we combine them all together and use them in the right way we you know we put this one on the hot side this one in the dry hop um can we make like a really berry forward fruity ipa um and so that's kind of like how we look at it now is like yeah, it's, it's not just like, well, you know, that hop and that hop cost a lot and that one costs a lot. So we'll just put them together and I'm sure it'll taste fine. I mean, you know, can we do that? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's like, what is the concept? So what is the idea? What is the concept? What is the, the, the meaning for this beer? And we kind of stop doing so much like uh, on our release dates, uh, like tasting notes and releasing tasting notes. And this is flavors of this and flavors of that. And we more just kind of focus on you know, the idea for this beer was to create X and what we've got is Y and we're really happy uh, with it and we hope you, you enjoy it too kind of thing. So that's really, I guess, how we keep, uh, we use a, a lot of the same hops. I mean, there's, there, there's no uh, debating that. I mean, we use a ton of citra, we use a ton of mosaic, uh, we use a bit of Simcoe, Azaka, but I mean, we're all, and actually we've really started to focus in on, on trying, like making an actual concerted effort to use a lot more New Zealand and Australian hops, because although they get used a lot in North America, I feel like they can stand alone in a way that only a select few of uh, uh, American hops can. So we've started uh, using a lot more of those and, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, hop producers are in the, in the, uh, in the business of making money and they're going to come out with new hops every year and they're going to tell you why it's the greatest hop in 
the planet and we're going to fall for it and we're going to buy it and we're going to try and use it and it might work and it might not. And if it doesn't, then we're going to buy the next one. They tell us is the greatest hop on earth. So <laughs> the vicious cycle. Yeah. You, you're never, <laughs> you're never going to lose friends by telling Australians that our hops are really exciting and standalone and stuff like that. So they really know. are great. They really are great though. Um, the, sort of a, a question that we sort of got a little bit out of kilter before and started to talk about the work that you guys do with charities and community groups and so forth. And I guess in a similar vein, I'm really interested to know what that does to the brewery and the team in terms of just sort of adding a bit of inspiration or adding a bit of excitement and purpose to what you do. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about which sort of charities you work with and how closely you work with them and what that, what that brings. Yeah. I mean, it's for us, it was just always, um, you know, we, 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 we wanted to create a business that, uh, we could be proud of. I mean, we want to create a business that, uh, that sticks around. And the only way that you create a business that sticks around is to have it financially make sense. I mean, economically viable. Uh, but at the end of the day, we wanted to also have a business that we were proud of and that we could talk about and that, um, you know, that could be a, a big part of the community. So that was always kind of from the get-go, uh, a big focus for us. And then as we started to evolve and we're getting involved with the, all these different types of charities and we're like, well, what do we really want to do? So uh, again, Travis, our, our marketing and sales manager and myself were sit down and like, well, what is our focus going to be? Like, what do we really care about as a brewery? Um, and him and I decided what we cared about as a brewery. And then months later, we're like, well, how did the two people out of, you know, at the time, nine or 10 or whatever it was, determine what the brewery as a whole cares about? It, it, you know, that's 20% of the staff telling us what 100% of the staff give a shit about. So what we kind of started doing is it at the time, we actually, now I know we had 12 staff because the math made sense. Like, well, we have 12 staff. There's 12 months in a year why don't we do 12 charity brews a year, once a month, and we'll let each staff member pick a charity that they care about that's near and dear to them. And then we'll just donate money to that. As long as it's not something that's like, you know, that we're guns for hunters or, you know, (laughs) yeah, that's something we're morally against. And, you know, we can support that. And that's more representative of what our brewery cares about than what Travis and I sitting down for a couple of hours discussing um care about so anyways so but what it does is it really just uh i mean also our staff are more representative of our customer base right like you know me and travis are pretty similar good friends and we probably represent 10 percent of our customer base whereas if you go to our entire staff as a whole uh you know they're going to connect with different people in our customer base that we don't um so it really, it really just makes sense and from a business perspective as well is like, you're going to rep, you know, you're going to support all of these different charities. You're going to represent all of these different charities and, and you know, that your customers are going to feel as though they're more a part of your business and your staff are going to feel as though is they're more like they're actually a part of something. They're not just buying your product and, and going home and drinking it kind of thing. So. Is it tends to be local charities or sort of bigger ones? Sort of who do you work with? Not always. I mean, we do tend to skew more towards, I guess, local charities just because um, they can definitely use the help. But again, that's that's another thing that I've learned over time is like every single charity on earth can use your help. Like, like no, you know, no charity is, you know, flush with cash, if you know what I mean. So it's like, 
they cannot they could all use help and 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 you know the majority or all of the ones that we've supported and the majority of the ones out there really um are using that money for a good cause so most of the ones are are fairly local because we feel as though our donations can make a bigger impact but i mean we've we've partnered with the david suzuki foundation uh which is a really big one in in canada based on the west coast um and you know donated some money to that and and that helps twofold it's like you know we can uh, we can donate money to the charity, but also, I mean, they're probably bigger than we are, right? So it's like uh, us talking about the beer, them talking about us, it's like it, it helps everyone and just brings attention to the cause as well as bringing attention to the beer and what we're doing and, and all of that. So. Um, I, on that note, we'll talk about something which isn't important at all, but lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Great segue. Yeah, well, I love it. I stumbled into that segue. That was good. Um, so, so we've got a we've got a traditional cool room question, and we ask, yeah, we ask this of everyone that it's it's. So, what is the most confronting, strange, weird, hilarious thing you've seen in the cool room? And I, I don't know if cool rooms translate worldwide. Do they, David? Translate worldwide. So, yeah. cool room is basically a refrigerated walk-in, well, it's a walk-in yeah. refrigerator, but but like we we broaden that to any hospitality or or brewing venue or brewing facility. The weirdest so, thing I've ever seen? Yeah, the weirdest, straight funniest, we prefer funny, explosions are good. Explosions uh, are good. There's the t-shirt, there's the t-shirt. We really explosions are good. Uh, fornication, fornication always gets a bit of a run. Uh, <laughs> we've never seen that. Oh, okay, uh, great. Yeah, you guys are Canadians, that's right. We're, and feel free to tell stories about places that aren't your own, or to at least oh, yeah. identify. You know, and, uh, oh man, there's so much. I mean, it's just like not even funny, just everything breaks all the time. Like our Bakken fridge breaks. All, I mean. Yeah. I walked into our walk-in fridge one time and there's just water pouring from the ceiling onto a skid, a skid of beer that's, you know, 80 cases of beer, 1900 cans. And there's just water that's leaked through the disgusting roof, through the disgusting ceiling of the walk-in onto all of the cans of beer, ruined all of the flats. So the flats have turned in from, from like sturdy cardboard to just like pulp. Yeah. Um, and it's like a stack of 1900 cans that's just ready to tip over in any direction. And then they all have to be, they all have to be rinsed and cleaned and sanitized before someone puts their mouth on them because this water started in the sky has gone through two roofs and is now sitting on the mouth of the beer. I mean, it's not that that's maybe not the funniest or the worst, but, uh, it's, no, I've got to say that's that's pretty perfect because the reason the podcast is called The Cool Room is not yeah. because we're all cool people. It's because The Cool Room is the thing that breaks down. It's yeah. the story. It. Everyone goes, Every yeah, I'd love to own a brewery or I'd love to own a pub in my case. And it's like, let me tell you about The Cool Room. <laughs> when everyone, whenever someone tells me that they want to open a brewery, I respectfully tell them that they're fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I'm like, really? You should open anything else. Try a donut shop. Yes. <laughs> I love it. It's, it's yeah, a, a donut point. shop who then does a collab with a with a brewery. Yeah, with the brewery. Yeah. And then, and, the, and, the, there's our they're you. the ones who have all the cash. 
Yeah, to, to, to paraphrase that bad old joke is, you know, do you, do you want to know how to make a small fortune? Start with a large one and open a pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, no. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. I was just saying it's uh, it, it's bringing back nightmares now. I'm talking about the, the, the walk-in breaking down because it's like every week something else just breaks down. But, I mean, that's... It's literally, you know, it's the worst thing in the world, but it's what we live for. It's what we, the reason we started it, it's why we do what we do. We're going to, you know, we, we approach every, every breakdown, every problem the same way as with a smile on our face. And at least we're not working for somebody else. That's yeah, that's true. That is very true. And we're making something good and fun. And, and well, that's the thing we were, and that's it. That's the biggest thing is we like, you know, as you as you've probably noticed over the last hour and forty one minutes, is uh, I'm tough to shut up, especially when it comes to talking about beer, because there's uh, there's not a lot in the world that uh, I I think about more, I'm I'm passionate about as much as uh, as much as as crafting a good beer. So awesome! I think we get that. We're going to move into audience Q and A in a moment. We'll have a few quick questions, but um. I guess just before we do that, really keen to hear what is the next things that you're mm. looking forward to doing? You've you've been a bit like us over in Australia. You've got through COVID and all of that. You know what what are you looking forward to doing in the next year or two? Um, in the next year or two, from a from a brewery perspective. Uh, oh, I mean, we know whatever, you're personally moving to Queensland, but other than that, you know, <laughs> I'm 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 really looking forward to brewing uh i'm really looking forward to like dialing in loggers i really am i know that we've talked about it a little bit like oh that's the way things are going but you know from from our perspective like i said you know we would do four a year you know one every six weeks or whatever it might be but it's like you don't really get an opportunity to uh to to really dial it in or to really figure it out um when you don't get to uh, do it as often so i'm looking forward to 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 doing that i'm looking forward to uh we just started kind of like a wild ale program uh barrel day barrel age wild ales um we've got a wild ale barrel aging in uh, some red wine barrels right now which is cool we've got another one that we just put uh we put 600 liters of beer on the 400 pounds of uh strawberries um we've got some actually for our uh fifth anniversary which is coming up in november we've got three bourbon barrels that have been aging with uh a sour wild ale and lime zest so we're hoping that it comes out like uh kind of like a a whiskey sour hi um yeah that's like short-term stuff we're i'm looking forward to and 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 we're actually like uh we're looking for a new location which is uh you know a, a part of a an entire two-hour podcast but um our original spot is going to be a condo one day just like most buildings uh in and around the greater toronto area so we're looking to move we're looking to, to find another spot and super super excited for that so Awesome. Well, I think we uh, we in central Melbourne, Australia, understand that sort of challenge of what happens when former industrial areas start to change. So that's a that's a big bit of what we do. Um, Absolutely. Speaking of central Melbourne, David Craig, 
you live in central Melbourne, my friend. I know that because I drop off beer to your house from time to time. And you've got a ripper question, um, which we've been holding off on, but far away, my friend. Good on you. Thanks, David. And thank you, Jeff. Lovely beers. And I particularly love the lager because I'm a lager person. But um, <laughs> I'm interested, the, uh, the opportunity to speak to folk from another country, how your retail alcohol system works. You mentioned before something about licensed stores or that some of your beers can go into stores. I'm just interested, I guess, in um, uh, to what extent is it packaged beer? To what extent is it draft? Do you depend on being, being able to get draft into um, uh, pubs or bars or restaurants? Um, how easy is it for you to distribute packaged beer? Just a little bit of an insight into how uh, retail alcohol works in Canada. I think that's a great question, can I say, because we had uh, Nunya from Norway on recently and that idea of government-run or mm. licensed liquor stores is is completely foreign to us here in Australia. So it's yeah. something that we can't relate to at all. So in Ontario, um, it is uh, almost... It, well, COVID has actually changed this drastically. So... I'll start pre-COVID. So pre-COVID, you had the LCBO. Uh, the LCBO is the only place that you can buy liquor, uh, wine, and beer that isn't directly from the manufacturer. And directly from the manufacturer had to be on their actual own premise. So we could sell beer out of our brewery and out of the LCBO. Um the other thing, as I guess, is the beer store. The beer store is but is is uh, quasi government owned, but actually run by like the three big brewers, so Labatt and Molson and uh, Sapporo. Um, so, to but you have to get into the LCBO. So to get into the LCBO, you have to go through a process and yada yada yada. And the thing about the LCBO that really kind of like handcuffed us was that we, you know, we're selling our IPAs for $4.50. We're selling our sours for $5.50. We're selling our pale ales for $4. Well, then you have the LCBO. And when you go to the LCBO, I mean, you're on just a, a, a beer wall and you're with all of the other craft brewers or all the other brewers in Ontario. And, you know, you've got the, the Budweiser's for $2.50 a can and you've got the mill streets for three dollars a can and then you've got the bigger regional i guess craft brewers who are can sell their ipas for cheaper than us so going to the lcbo for us we you know we had to cut the prices of our cans by about 75 cents just to even make it make sense um uh even make it make sense for someone to, to 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 grab a can when they have so many different options uh and the people who are going to the lcbos aren't the people who are like really like you guys who are like seeking out the best beer possible, they're just walking in and grabbing cans off the shelf. Um, COVID hit and COVID really changed things because the government in Ontario, actually what they did is they said, okay, if you have a liquor license to sell alcohol, so draft and bottle in a restaurant, you can now sell packaged beer to go from your establishment as long as you serve food with it. So you know, restaurants shut down. So they said, okay, well, you can buy food to go from your restaurant and you can also take home a six pack of outside jokes. 
Um, now, restaurants and bars got really uh, creative with that. So there was a bar downtown Toronto that, that really at the best of times only served like French fries. Um, but during COVID, they're like, okay, well, we're going to stay open. Um, you can buy a meal and that meal is one raw potato and we're going to charge you 25 cents for it. And as long as you buy that meal, you can buy as much beer as you want. So they essentially just like turned into a bottle shop. So we had these, these restaurants that literally there was, uh, one restaurant called, I think it was called tequila bookworm. And they were like known as the craft, well, one of the craft beer bars in Toronto. Um, and then when COVID hit, they shut down, they turned into another spot and essentially they sold off all of the kitchen equipment and just bought fridges. And so, you know, you come in, there's a place called Barvolo. Barvolo is one of like the better known beer bars in Canada. Um, uh, Italian family who owns it. They went from serving uh, antipasto and antipasta to uh, packaging it. So you could go in and buy salami, you could go in and buy uh, pickled jalapenos, and you could buy some cheese. And then you could, they had a whole bottle shop where you could take beer to go. So the government opened that up, did a, you know, a terrible job, not a terrible job. Um, but they didn't, didn't really things quick, they didn't, they didn't enforce it because they were just hoping that these restaurants wouldn't shut down during COVID. Um, but now that, you know, we have these, these conversations with um, our liquor inspectors who come in from time to time. And, and I'm like, what are you guys going to do about these like bottle shops? Like you obviously know they're there. Like there's, there's businesses that have now since COVID hit, have now gotten liquor license and opened and they've opened branded as bottle shop, like OG bottle shop. And like you go in and it's just alcohol and then you can buy like, you know, bags of chips or whatever. I mean, we'll, when we'll do a collab, like we used to do collabs and we weren't allowed to sell. If we did a collab at a different brewery, we wouldn't be able to sell it out of our brewery because we didn't make it there. So we weren't allowed mm-hmm. to sell it out there. So now we can, because we serve uh, chips, like a bag of chips, like a, the tiniest bag of chips that you can possibly sell. We sell for 50 cents. And then you can buy, as, again, as much of the other breweries beer as we want. A lot of the breweries in Ontario actually like kind of banded together as well during COVID. And we like we ran a little bottle shop out of the brewery. So we brought in beer from Willibald and Dominion City and Bellwoods and a lot of different breweries around Ontario. Because again, it was like, when you're stuck at home and the only place you can go is like the brewery, the grocery store, and that's it. Um, you know, it, it was like a draw to say, okay, well, you don't have, you, you're not allowed and you're not allowed to drive to X brewery. So we've brought X brewery here. So we've got, you know, this can from them and that can from them and that this can from them come in, buy one of those and then buy one of ours as well. And it was kind of a way for all the different breweries to support each other. So it was really great. That's it a, is a, wonderful. Great story. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, that's a fascinating answer to, to that question. Um, it's just so amazing how both laws have changed under COVID, which happened here. I mean, part of the reason why we do home deliveries is, and have all this sort of podcast oh, yeah. is because oh, of home that. deliveries were huge. We, we, there was a point in COVID, like the first month of the first lockdown, we have never sold more beer ever because as soon as COVID hit we said anyone who wants beer a free home delivery 
so we were driving we had every every uh like um uh uh tap room staff like all of our tap room staff had nothing to do so we, they were all driving they were all home delivery drivers um and it helped out big time i mean we had we had beer going all over the province really um and we were selling more beer than ever now every subsequent lockdown got less and less busy and it got more and more difficult but but you know at the end of the day it was uh it was crazy covid changed a lot um i'm not saying that our government is a good government or a bad government but they've definitely put a concerted effort into helping uh restaurants i think and alcohol companies during covid so now again, like I said earlier, fifty percent of the people who hear that from Ontario will say that I'm an idiot, and fifty percent will be like, "Yeah, sure." So yeah. I'm not making a political stance here. Uh, all I'm saying is that yeah, they made it easier for for uh, alcohol to be purchased, and uh, there's now bottle shop, like full blown bottle shops across Toronto and Ontario, and it's it's pretty cool. I think it's uh, it's fair to say that. Um... We've got. If they listen for two hours and find your political statement in there, uh, <laughs> you know that's that's, that's okay. Um, we can good, live good, with luck, that. good luck to them. Yeah, good luck yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, checking that down and um, the Progressive Conservative Party, which I've got to say is one of the great names of a, of any political organisation I've ever heard of, whatever a Progressive <laughs> Conservative <laughs> Party might be. Um, anyway, I'm not going to pass judgments on politics. <laughs> We're going to move because it's almost midnight your time. Yeah. Uh, you've been such a, a generous person with your time. Crofty, who's here with us in the Zoom room, is going to ask, I think, an excellent question for us to finish on, given that there are eight fantastic town beers in our tasting slab for the moment. Oh, yeah. Crofty, what's your question, mate? Hi, Jeff. Um, I just wanted to know what you're going to drink next, because, you know, midnight, that's a bit weak. Um, <laughs> but po- possibly more, more what should we drink next? We've got, uh, it looks like, What's left that we haven't gone through today is Lone Hand, Future Birds, Square Wheels, Take Two, and Made with Love. What do you What do you recommend we move on to next? So this is cool because uh, the only beer, um, the only beer that we make all the time that you guys have is Square Wheels. So Square Wheels is the only one that I could potentially even drink uh, tonight. Made with Love is the donut beer. Uh, uh lone hand was a peach wheat right mm. peach wheat yeah uh and then the future birds was the ipa so future birds is really nice future birds is a representation of my two favorite hops so that was kind of talking about concepts for ipas so uh citra and idaho seven so in that beer i know that we split the citra and idaho seven between the whirlpool and the dry hop i believe we whirlpooled all citra and we dry hopped all idaho seven and I'm pretty sure that was the first beer that we made um, that was Idaho, uh, our newest batch of Idaho 7. It was the first time we ever actually got to select our crop of Idaho 7 from Yakima Valley. Um, it's a really nice beer, but if I'm going to put them in order, I mean, Lone Hand, the peach wheat is really, really nice. It's subtle on peach, super easy drinking. It's more of an American style wheat rather than like a Belgian or a German style wheat. It's not hazy it's not big bodied it's like really light and easy drinking it's more uh just like a nice crisp refreshing beer that's the one there uh 
I mean, the donut beer is, is fun. It's, uh, it's actually kind of refreshing, uh, mm-hmm. in a, in a weird way because of the lime, uh, uh, future birds, I would go. And what was the fourth one? Oh, so have square wheels. Take oh, two. take two. So take two is a pineapple IPA. So I would go lone hand first, uh, nice and easy drinking. And then I would go probably the donut beer because although it's sweet, it's like refreshing at the same time. And then I would go uh, take two because of pineapple, you're going to stay on the fruit train. Uh, it's the pineapple IPA. And then I would go square wheels and future birds. End it with two IPAs. Future birds is future birds is nice. It's probably got a little sediment. That's the thing is like, the other thing about lagers that I'm really excited about is to send you guys lagers that I don't have to worry about not tasting good in like three months because it takes so goddamn long for the beer to get to Australia. Uh, lagers are going to taste good still. Whereas like those like fruited IPAs, like I'm not stoked that, you know, you're, you, you're drinking a fruited IPA like four or five months after it was made, not maybe four or five months, but maybe three months. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, leave the sediment in the bottom and, and, uh, swale away. It's going to be good. Um, well, first of all, I think those beers have held up pretty well. Like, uh, I'm sure straight out of the, straight out of the bright tank, they'd be, they'd be amazing. But, um, yeah, all the beers we've tried, tried, uh, this afternoon have been terrific. Um, coming up on 12 o'clock Ontario, 12 midnight Ontario time, uh, it is, it was great to have you, Jeff. It was great to have to hear all your stories and talk about local brewing and just, yeah, just get into a little bit of Canadian, Canadian craft beer culture and in the scene. It's been, it's been terrific. So um, thank you very much for your time, Jeff. Uh, where will people find you uh, on social media where, if they, if we're going to look you up? Yeah, Town Town Brewery. Uh, it's I think it's just at Town Brewery on Instagram. Uh, Town Brewery on Facebook. Uh, I mean, you don't want to follow me on anything because I'm uh, old and boring and and don't post anything. So uh, follow Town Brewery on Instagram, Facebook. I don't even think we have TikTok. We're pretty old. Um, but yeah, follow us there. You'll see what we're up to. Um, we're really stoked to have our beer in Australia. Like we're just. It's the second time we've sent our beer over. Hopefully we're, we'll be sending more over soon. Um, I just think it's so sweet. I just think it's so cool that like you guys are sitting there in Australia drinking our beer right now. It's like, uh, it's pretty surreal. So hopefully we can continue to do it. And mm. uh, hopefully you guys can continue to get to our product. And and uh, I think I've got a uh, February 2024 trip planned. So maybe I'll make the, the rounds around. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah I got to get I got to get out to Australia and uh, we got some family and friends to visit. So I'm stoked. I appreciate you guys giving a shit about what I'm saying and enjoying our beers. And uh, to me, it's a lot cooler than it is uh, to talk to you guys than it is for you guys to talk to me. Trust me. (laughs) Not, not true at all. We, uh, we love the fact that you've been um, on. It's, it's surreal for us as well. One of the the few silver linings of COVID is, this idea that now we can just sit down and talk to brewers around the world and get insights yeah. we never normally get. Anytime. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. And we'll, uh, we'll click stop on the record. But of course, here in the Zoom room, we will continue. A great reason why, if you're listening to the podcast and you've never joined us live, to come and join us live in the Zoom room.